0: into a conversation okay. like we've been doing right now. Are we doing it? Yeah, we're doing it. We're okay. doing it right and now. Do we, do we just talk to each other or do I talk to Um, them? We just talk to each okay. other and
1: right. you could just introduce yourself.
0: <laughs> All right. I am Jeff Gates. Um, I'm here with Gus, my dog, and we are at Uncle Funky's and we run this place with Kristen Howard. She's our partner. She's not here. And uh, we've been doing it in this location since 2011. And before that, we were out of our apartment, kind of like a terminal up there, uptown. We were running it for a few years, uh, live work, over nice. on Bedford and Carmine. And then once I got let go from my last corporate job, we just decided we were gonna go full time with it and Whoa. did that. And then, yeah, got some investors and got in here.
1: It was 2011, the summer. Whoa. So. You kind of segued into a the the, lot of the questions I was gonna oh, ask. Good. okay. Yeah, what that's, what you that's perfect. Um, so I'll just start with the basics like when did you start skating? Uh, 1976. I
0: was six years old. My neighbor Jeff Emery had two of the uh, free former plastic little toy skateboards and he let me borrow one and and back then we just kinda used them for transportation. You know, if you had a few bikes and a few skateboards then you know, a group of kids could get from point A to point B. Um, and so we skated around and I did that until, uh, for only about five years. By the time I was 11, I had a huge wipeout. I towed, uh, down a hill behind a moped.
1: Oh shit. (laughs) Trying,
0: me and my buddy Steve at that point, we were trying to get over 30 miles an hour and we knew that the moped did 26, so we went... Uh, with a rope down a hill and slingshot it past. And then I got speed wobbles and I broke my collarbone in Ooh. three places, concussion. Ooh. You know, I was a ragdoll. This
1: is before the helmet thing became... No, like... I mean,
0: yeah, this was. I didn't have any idea. I didn't even know what speed wobbles were, to be honest. <laughs> oh, shit. I had never gotten that fast. Um, and so, yeah, I was in probably some a bathing suit and a t-shirt.
1: Wow, where were you at?
0: Uh, this was Northern Virginia, like... Uh, Springfield, like near Alexandria. Oh the shit! Grew Mountains. Up. Yeah, there was good hills. Yeah, and we knew Huntsman Boulevard was the hill. Okay. So we went to the biggest hill that we knew, <laughs> and we weren't—you know—I mean, we had—we weren't supposed to be, and we were eleven, but uh, Steve had kind of borrowed his uh, older brother's moped, and you know, oh. all summertime we were unattended, so we just pretty much—I mean, I came up and my collarbone was sticking out. Whew. And I had a concussion, and I was covered in blood. And normally you would get an ambulance, but, you know, this is 81. So Steve got on the moped and went <gasps> home. Rode about 10 minutes home, got my mom. She came back in a...
1: What did she say?
0: Oh, my God. She was having a heart attack because I'm standing by the side of the road. My bone is sticking out, blood all over me. She shows up in the... We had a Volkswagen Rabbit. And she drove me to the ER. But by then, you know, if you break a bone, there's something about it like within a certain period of time, you got to set it Yeah, it's like problem. And it had been a couple of hours. It had been a long time. And they called in a special orthopedist, an orthopedic? A bone guy. And he tried to set it for I don't know how long. But it was one of the worst pains of my life because he couldn't set it. He He tried. He kept pushing on my shoulder to try and... Get, but it was like, it wouldn't oh. go. And so he said, all right, we're going to have to just leave it like that. And we'll come back in six months and do surgery. And, and then they put me in a chair. They put uh, me in a, a chair. Lazy boy <laughs> for a month. And I had to sit. And it was the end of my summer. It basically was a super bummer. And that's when I decided, in my mind, that skateboarding was way too dangerous. You can't do this. And live you know like who's gonna live long enough to skate so I stopped skating at 11 and waited until my 20s I got back into started snowboarding okay and you know I like to go I was I mean fast I like to go fast as you so, a speed guy from yeah. the beginning and uh, snowboarding kind of got me you know I it kind of it, it, it awakened that that need for speed and then I got back into downhill longboarding you know downhill skating with a longboard, which is kind of what I needed to begin with, but... Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, yeah. that time period, yeah. it wasn't... Uh, oh, man, no, it, it was new. It was like hit or miss, like, good luck
0: going down yeah, this hill. we had made our own skateboards. I mean, we were on these janky things, so it was, uh, it was a mess. But yeah, so then I got back into it when I moved. I was here in New York in 97. I moved here, okay. and probably right around that time... I picked up a, you know, big Sector 9 and a Gravity. Okay. Those were the two big companies back then. They were at Blades. And my buddy was in town, and I said, man, you're skating with me. I'm going to buy two. Okay. I wanted to have one for, you know, like, you know, so my buddies could go, and we went out, and then I got hooked again. And pretty, you know, I was pretty, you know, into, you know, the downhill kind of, well, I mean, downhill. We would go uptown and skate on hills. All right. And then in 2003, we were having a session up at Fort George Hill, Snake Hill, and it was you know we were shooting some photos for Concrete Wave magazine.
1: Okay. What year was
0: this? This was uh, 2003. Okay. And so uh, there was a f- couple photographers on the hill, and I was looking at the photographer, trying to get like as close as I could, you know, to like right. get you know wanted to get in the magazine. Wanted to get a quick. Shot. <laughs> and uh, I was, you know, typical, just stupid. I'm I'm focused on the you know photographer and I look up on a turn and I see another skater I hadn't seen, I wasn't even paying attention, and T-boned. I should have I should have wrapped up into him and 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 saved myself, but instead I tried to save him and I brushed past him and tried to run it out. But when I put my leg down, my my left leg popped back. And it sounded like a tree branch. Oh! And there was enough snowboarders and skaters that day, and everybody said, "Man, you just blew out your ACL. Leave it alone, guessy boy." (laughs) And I said, "Oh man, what do you do?" And he's they're like, "Well, you can't do anything, you know." Right. So we just uh, went to a bar and uh, (laughs) and drank a bunch of beers, and uh, and then the next day I went to the hospital and they did. an MRI or one of them. They do an the MRI yeah. to check, they they, check it. They said you you lost your ACL and your meniscus.
1: Oh wow, so both is just you
0: get blown out and so they said we're going to do PT and surgery and I did all that and you know, and then I started trying to mellow out. i, mean, I still skated downhill, but I, I kind of like, you know, that that period of time, the early 2000s, I you know, I felt like I was pushing my luck. Right. <laughs> right on, right on. Cuz I never used <laughs> helmet. I never use gloves, never use pads. I kind of was like... I had it in my mind that I was like going to be like this you know, soul surfer, skater, you know, like yeah. kind of master the hill just with skills. And uh, yeah, no, you know, that like, <laughs> was short-lived. But then uh, lately, I'd say probably the last 10 years, I've been going up to uh, Chelsea, Pier 62. Yeah, and a lot of guys. Yeah, that, I mean, because that, you're going... Maybe five miles an hour. Okay. But you're in this little pool. All right. So it feels like you're going 100 miles an hour. And right. So I get, kind of get that speed fix. Gus, what do you eating? Because the G-forces. Yeah, and you're kind of getting up the walls. And so yeah. that, that's, I think, I've now found a safer way. Because, you know, even if you're going to crash, I mean, you can really hurt yourself in those too. But... At five miles an hour, if you know you're going to crash, you can kind of run it out. You can right. kind of save your ass or whatever. Right, right.
1: It does work out a lot better when you're going a little bit slower. You can catch yourself. Yeah. And you don't die. You don't really die as much. <laughs> yeah. And, and knock on wood, I've
0: been lucky enough. I haven't taken any huge injuries because I've seen some, you know, some, there's some really good skaters who've broken their legs up there. And I, I don't do anything crazy. I just kind of roll around and, and have a good time. And, nice. You know, uh, you know, and I still skate around. You know, I can still get you know up and downtown uh a little bit you want to come up anyway <laughs> but uh yeah so that's been that's kind of been my th- my therapy you know nice. getting up there uh to pier 62 if i can get up there you know in the in the good weather i was going up once a week nice yeah, a little bit of progression um i can get you know in the wintertime, I don't get up there too often. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not looking to freeze Freeze myself. You're not a snow dog. No, no. <laughs> I'm also not the guy, you know, when I was, we were kids, we would try and go, you know, surfing with wetsuits in the wintertime, and that was mostly just, like, peer pressure, because I, you know, I didn't like it. I was like, <laughs> really crazy? Like, we were just, what do we have to prove here? Right. But, uh, no, I mean, you know, I'm not a big cold weather guy. I mean, even if it's snowboarding, if it's minus 20, or wind chill minus 20 yeah I'll be in the lot just have a good time <laughs> having a nice little yeah, drink, I don't want to to be drink a couple super of beers it's like it takes you know, it takes a little bit of the fun out of it but you know moderately uncomfortable I can deal yeah.
1: with so I'm going to try to see if we can, again, we can take this back a little bit yeah. and see how good is yeah, So you can remember some things before yeah, you sure. even opened up the whole skate shop yeah. um and you had this idea what was Jeff Gates doing oh man I was a corporate guy I was selling I was in
0: uh Telecom sales, you know, like Verizon used to be a company called Bell Atlantic. I remember and that. 9X, they were like, 9X was up here and Bell Atlantic was down there. So I used to work in marketing and sales. So I was like a, kind of a corporate guy. And actually it was, it was nice because the pay was good. And I used most of my pay to travel and, you know, like I got to travel all over the place. Um... I would travel for snowboarding, and then when I got into, uh, you know, skating, I was bringing my skateboard and touring around cities, so I got to see, in my 20s and 30s, when I was working corporate, I mean, man, I went to Iceland, Australia, Spain, France, London, I mean, all over, uh, did a lot of skiing, uh, snowboarding out west. So, so yeah, I was doing the, the corporate thing for a while. And then after, it must have been after 9-11, I decided that I wanted to do something, you know, because I was like always trying to do side businesses with buddies and small businesses and startups, but I decided I wanted to do something that was related to skateboarding Mm. because everything prior to that, you know, like my day job or any side gig was, was, you know, mostly just trying to like find a way to get rich or get, you know, you know, make money, but it had nothing to do with my passion. So I said, all right, well, I want to do something that has to do with skateboarding. And at the time, because I was traveling so much and snowboarding a lot, I came up with an idea called longboard maps. And it was, you know, this was probably, so this must have been around 2001. I guess in 9 11, it was 2001. Sometime around early 2000, hired some Russian programmer to build. Back then, it was like a a database. Okay. And you could submit runs from anywhere around the world, and you could name the hill and submit pictures, three pictures. And we had, a, you know, like a way you could measure the, 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 the decline. Um, and then depending on how steep it was, we would make a map and you, and back then you didn't have Google Maps. You had to use this mapping software and we would like draw, like if it was like, if you ever been to like a, you know, a ski run, they give you the map and it's got like the green runs. Right. And the blue runs and then the black runs. And so we used that same methodology for how hard the hills were, depending on how steep they were. Mm. And, you know, the plan was, you know, back then you would sell advertisements and make money. Right. We never (laughs) sold one ad. No banner ads. We never sold an ad. So basically what it turned into was I had a couple of college kids and I would pay them, I think, $3 a run and they would sit there and and they would do a couple you know like a couple of nights a week and they would crank through and make you know all these different runs and and runs were being submitted from all over the world right and within a year or two we had like 18 countries participating because wow. there were guys wherever there were guys surfing were snowboarding, they were also
1: downhill longboarding and they all had their particular, you know, spots. Because right. everybody switched like those guys tend to like if you're a surfer, it gets too cold. Yeah. Alright, I need to skateboard. Well and these guys also were like me, they were traveling around. So the 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 concept was okay, somebody from
0: Paris comes into New York City and they would go on longboard maps and it was organized by country, US, New York, and you know, and you would click on it and then it would show you 30 or 40 hills, mostly uptown. Right. You know, some in Brooklyn. And these were hills that we had basically taken photos of, and you write up descriptions and good places to grab beers. I mean, it was like this whole thing. Wow. Um, and that went on for a while. Um, and it never made me any money. It cost me, I don't know how much. I never added it up because basically I paid these guys every week. Right. You know, it wasn't a ton of money. And we sold t shirts. You know that was it. Right. We had longboard Maps T-shirts, but we never, we never came close to breaking even. But it got me involved, and 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 by getting me involved, I met other guys who were doing other things. And the one of the first guys I met was. Uh, uh, he worked for Red Bull. He was the number 15 guy at Red Bull. Okay. So he was like a you know powerful guy, and he was a longboarder. He was a crazy German guy, but he liked longboarding. And so he kind of got me into some different projects, and um, I started meeting more people. And as a result, um, people were asking me, you know, like, hey, I want to get into that. What do you recommend? And I would kind of tell them, well, get, you know, get a 40-inch board, get, you know, Randall trucks, get some bones. So you was
1: already on your way to being well, a, I, sh- like I, a well, shop I, expert. Yeah,
0: I knew what you needed. And what I was telling people to do was go to Blades, whatever. And I remember one in particular I was living up on... I was a little girl. And it was 28th and... We were over there 28th and 1st. Somewhere over there on the east side. And they were doing construction, and there was a, a big guy. He was probably about 6'3" construction worker he saw me every day skating to work and he asked me about it I told him hey go to I think New York pipe dreams or somewhere I, didn't, I don't know where I told him I said go get a I told him to get and they sold him like a you know a cruiser board but he wanted to go he wanted to ride downhill and I remember I was being I was so pissed I was so frustrated by that experience that I decided man I'm going to open, if I can ever do it, I'm going to open a longboard shop. So you that's, that's that, like that, that thing stuck in my mind and I even have an old book that I was reading about, you know, it was like, you know, you know, talking about like dharma and purpose and I wrote in the um, margin, longboard shop, open a longboard shop because I knew that more and more people were going to get into it and I knew that there was none of the guys that were selling them. At zoomies or blades or pipe dreams, rode them. They were just selling them. They were selling them because they were there, but they didn't know anything about going downhill or right. trying to be safe or or anything that you would need. So, um, that was so. Let's let's say that's probably around early two thousand. So then, sometime around oh six two thousand five or two thousand six, I was. Hell bent on it, and I went to Loaded, okay, land yachts, okay, and Longboard Larry. Those two guys. Those guys. I knew Longboard Larry is. Yeah, and I like, knew they had like everything from high performance. Land yachts had a huge selection, and Longboard Larry was making them by hand. So I was like, "All right." And I got let's say fifteen completes. Okay. I don't know. Maybe it was a tax return. I don't know how I came up with the money, but I I invested. And I bought, I paid for these 15 completes. And if you've ever been, and so then from that point on, any apartment I was in, you know, the kitchen always has cabinets. <laughs> oh, no. And then there's like four feet, usually or three or four feet, the big gap between the top of the cabinet yeah. and the ceiling. So I figured out you could lay down these lawn boards and stack them up, and I could put them in my closet. And so then I just kind of... Oh, God, I remember I brought him. I lived out at Rockaway Beach. I had him in the closet was out in there.
1: He Had him with
0: me. And so, um, you know, back then, God, I don't think they had, was it, my friendster, my sister. They didn't really have, like, Facebook or anything. Right. Like, I don't know when that was going on. But at that point, what, we I, had what I was doing was um, there was a, you know, they called them forums. They were, like, old. yeah like, you know, this is like ancient technology, but there was one called (laughs) NCDSA, Northern California Downhill Skateboard Association. And they had a forum Mm. that all the longboarders all over the world knew. And so people would contact me from like, I'm coming in from Sweden and they would post and they would, you know, do you know a shop in New York? And oh, you gotta find this guy. And I had an email address and they would send me an email and I'd say, come by the apartment. And we'd look at the boards. And then they would take them out on the street, which is really dangerous, (laughs) and demo them. And then once they found the board they liked, uh, they would drop ship. So, like, they want the Loaded Vanguard. So then Loaded would drop ship directly to the people, and I would get, you know, whatever my margin was after the fact. But it was really very clunky, you know, really hard, you know, really hard to find me and hard to kind of, you know, do... And this was going on when I met Kristen. So now I'm living over here on 10th Street. So you
1: went a, from Queens.
0: Oh, to... I was all over. I mean, shit, I probably lived in 20 different. I was a subletter. I was, a, okay. um, yeah, I was all over the
1: place. So you're carrying boards yeah, and, ho- mean,
0: and running a business out of your apartment. Pretty much an aerobed <laughs> and skateboards, and I would move around. I was flopping around all over the place.
1: Was you still doing the corporate gigs? Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I had a day job and I was doing, so at the time I was working for, maybe it was Getty Images, I was doing, you know, I, I, I had a, I had a day job, I know that. And so um, I had this apartment, it was tiny. I remember I could touch the walls like this, the room was like a closet and I had all the boards and the bartender at um, Extra Virgin, this restaurant I used to go to in the neighborhood, he wanted to buy a board, so he came by. So, I know this was going on because I met Kristen. She worked at Extra Virgin. So, while, you know, while this is going on, I like meet Kristen. We start dating, and Kristen's smart. Kristen's young. Kristen's, you know, she's right. she's the one. And so, she's like, you know, you gotta you need to be on Google. And mm-hmm. I was like, how, how, how do you do that? You know, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I know about it, but I don't know how to do it. And so... She kind of got involved, and her brain is very, she's just smart. She just solves problems. So she got us up on Google, and that was a big game changer because prior to that, we were the only way anybody found me was like, you know, putting a post on a forum is like, you know, like on the dark web or something. Yeah, you're just like, find me. So she puts us up on Google, and I'll never forget, we're over now. You know, we start dating. We moved in. Were we at Carmine? Yeah, so I was at... At that point, we had moved again. I was on 8th Ave, and I moved back. And we were at Carmine. I think it was Carmine, because, you know, we're sitting there, and the doorbell rings, or the buzzer goes. And I was like, you know, what is that? And it was somebody who had found us from Germany, come to town, found us on Google. And that's when I was like, holy shit, Google's a game changer, because now we can be found... Right. and especially like in an underground spot you know it's it's the only way people can find you and so once that happened that was probably around that had to have been around oh five oh six 06 uh, when I started dating Kristen and then we got busier and busier at the house and at that point I think I got let go yeah because this was 2007 2008 print was dying and I was selling to Condé Nast all the magazines and they were closing Ooh. magazines and I was like I remember walking around like they my job you know because they want you to do 20% increase and I'm like they've gone from 30 magazines to 20 magazines how am I supposed to increase whatever and so they clipped me and gave me unemployment and that's when we said what you know do I go back and get a regular job or are we going to just have full time hours because prior to that Kristen ran it during the day she was waitressing at night and then I was working during the day and I would work it in the evening. So we were we had really crazy hours. We were open from like one to five. Wow. And then six to nine. Wow. I had to come home from work. And uh and so when I got laid off, we said, Screw it, let's just try and go regular hours and if you know, and, and, and we'll see if we can get it up to I think we had said If we could get up to maybe like 10k a month or something if we could out of this apartment if we could sell 10,000 bucks in skateboards that means that in a retail place we think we can do two or three times that and so that's what we did and we got it going and then it was 2011 so we had been at that place for about three years and our I think our lease was up in June or July Must have been July. July Was that the
1: five... So, usually they do like the five-year period. So, that's around like your five-year period of like having a shop. Yeah. Having a shop in quotes. You know, because we were kind of pretty, pretty, you know,
0: loose operation. But so, that... So, that spring, we decided, all right, we needed... We needed like 75 was what we decided to build out and get inventory and whatever. And so, I went out to all my buddies. And my buddies were, you know... Like they stayed in corporate, so they had you know like legit money, and so each guy five, ten grand, whatever. And I went out and got all these guys together, and we got this loan. We got in here, June of twenty eleven. Signed the lease. We were gonna get married. We got married in August that summer. Two months later, and then two months after that, Kristen got cancer.
1: Get the fuck out yeah, of here! So that, what that the fuck? Twenty eleven
0: was a wild year. We. Got the investors and and we didn't know. I remember, I remember in like June, like May, I remember being out at the, you know, we were outside, Kristen was smoking cigarettes and we were like, what do we do? Because, you know, we didn't have all the investors and the lease was coming up and we had found a place that we wanted, but we, we couldn't move, we didn't have enough money. And so we were kind of real tentative and it was like, we were about to go bust then and finally, we got it together like the last couple of weeks, got the money, ran around, got the checks, got the keys here. We built this place out in like six
1: days. Wow. So I know Noel had some involvement. Oh, in Noel, Noel? yes. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: So Theseus was the main guy. Theseus okay. was an unlicensed contractor, so he saved us a lot of money. Nice. <laughs> um, we got the keys. Four o'clock, we rented a U-Haul. We went to Home Depot over here, bought all the flooring came back and dropped Alfon off, who was a Bosnian, ex-Bosnian sh- soldier, who had gotten his leg blown off. What the fuck? He was a one-legged guy. He came in here at 9 p.m. He, you know, and he laid the flooring all night so that we could start building the racks and the counters the next day. Holy so by shit. within 24 hours, this place was refloored, and we were building racks and Noel, so Noel was on uh, Theseus's crew. Okay. And so Noel was here. Noel, you know, so Noel had been coming by the shop. He was coming by the shop when we were over at Carmine, and he thought it was kind of hilarious because we were, (laughs) you know, like I think the first time he came by, you know, so the shop was a living room, you know, but in New York, the living room is the kitchen is everything. Right, you
1: got a little small little corner. So he came
0: by, and I was cooking breakfast. You know, I think I was cooking eggs or whatever. And, you know, he's buying skateboard parts and whatever. And he's seeing, you know, I got the pan and Kristen's there. And, and he was blown away by, like, you know, this guy really kind of crazy stuff. But so we became friends. And then, yeah, so Noel helped Theseus build the place out. And I think by then he had already started Shroutberg's Union. that was, um, I think that was right after they had this big event when Buston had the shop over there on Allen Street, they had a big longboard expo. All the vendors came in and, and I think that's where he started uh Schraupers Union, maybe that that was around that time. Wow. Um yeah, and I met Noel. So I met I must have met Noel either at the shop, probably yeah, at the shop before that and then
1: oh, uh what were people's reactions when they when they're coming in is like you're actually a mom. This is legit mom and pop status. Oh, I'm making eggs and bacon and People just People are like... crazy.
0: Well, I mean, I'll tell you the most famous guy. I don't know if you remember the actor, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman.
1: Yes, of um, course. Like, yeah. he's...
0: Big time. He was in like... Get out of here. So so I was at... Now I know I was at Getty because, you know, so it was all sketchy. So I've got this day job, but I've also got the skate shop. You know, and my boss and everybody knew it, but, you know, whatever. So I get a a call on my mobile and it's in like, you know, one of these cube things. So I don't really get good reception. And Kristen says, hey, there's a guy who's coming by later tonight as a heads up. um, Sil Hoffman. And and so I write it down, Syl Hoffman. Okay, whatever. And I kind of, you know, forget about it. And I get home from work around 5.30, 6 o'clock and our cable went out. So I've got the. I remember I had the TV out and I got all the cables out and I'm trying to restart or whatever and the buzzer goes and I was like, oh, this guy's still Hoffman. Yeah. And so I go to open the door and it was one of these, we're in the back and so I hear the buzzer we're on the ground floor. I open the door and I look down the hall and it's Phil Hoffman, Philip Seymour Hoffman. He skateboards. He skateboards. He's skateboarded since the 80s. He grew up in the, you know, I guess he was skating in the city and so he comes walking in and he's, narrating he's like oh okay it's uh, down the hall and so he's talking to himself and I and I recognize his voice and I'm like and I look around and the fucking place is a mess <laughs> I've got
1: the tv out
0: and whatever and he comes in and he's like looking around and he can tell he's like a little freaked out like what is happening right and uh and I said oh man I'm really sorry I got this out you know cable's out and he's like oh so you can't take you can't take a credit card I said no I can't I'm dead I'm dead in the water I got no internet yeah and uh he says uh, are you open tomorrow I said yeah yeah man we're open you know tomorrow I've got the whole day off I'm yeah. like you know on the weekend we're open 12 to you know six tomorrow whatever okay I'll come back tomorrow and he leaves and so now Kristen's at work and I'm like freaking out so I call and I get this guy Jean-René he's this crazy French African guy said, Jean-René Tell Kristen that that Phil Hoffman is Philip Seymour Hoffman, and he's coming back tomorrow. To tell and so Jarman, oh you know, he goes over and he says Phil Hoffman's coming tomorrow. Phil, you know, and she can't understand what he's saying, whatever, and he's like mumbling, and so, you know, and she's enacting, so she's really stoked. And so then, t- Saturday rolls around, and there we are, we're in our living room, you know, kind of waiting, you know, kind of hoping, hoping. And then, like, it's 1 o'clock, and he's never going to come back. Yeah. I'm sure as shit. He comes back. Super nice guy. He ended up buying Kristen's skateboard. He bought two skateboards because his kid, who was in that movie Mystic Pizza, that was his, that's yeah? his kid. That's his, oh, Yeah, yeah. So his kid at the time was a, you know, I mean, shit, it must have been about 10 years old. He was a little guy. He bought two skateboards. One was a monkey longboard cruiser. That was Kristen's. Oh, he skated everything. Yeah, and then uh, the other, I don't know what he bought. Maybe a longboard, Larry, like a retro fish. He bought some cool old school cruisers for him and his kid. And then I would see him, because he lived on West 11th. I would see him around the neighborhood all the time. And he was real nice. Hey, how's it going? Board's going? You know, whatever. He was the dude, That's and wild. then unfortunately he killed himself. Well, he had an OD.
1: Yeah, he OD'd, man. Uh, he's such he's a big, uh, fantastic actor, guy. man. Yeah, yeah, great actor. Yeah, he's actually one of my favorites. I uh, anything, yeah. anything he's in, I'll watch it. He's like, great. And when you in, in the, when you really think about it, it's like, you know, most of his roles, he was on heroin. Oh
0: yeah. Like the
1: like he was high. Oh yeah. But he was just.
0: He was <laughs> amazing. Yeah.
1: So. Yeah, so he was, uh, he
0: came by that shop, you know, he he never, you know, like, I think he passed before we were here, but then his kids come by with, uh, you know, uh, his, you know, his wife, his uh, ex-wife, but um, yeah, and then we've had, you know, we've had celebrities come through here. But not you know that was kind of unique because we were in an apartment and and you know it's like <laughs> but he was down for it. Phil Hoffman was cool, 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 and uh, he had no problem with us being out. Seems of the like driver. he was a hardcore skater. That's yeah. He said he skated back in the '80s when he you know he was here doing prep school or whatever, and acting school or whatever, and uh, he used to skate around. Wow. You know well that's the funny thing is like you know in the '70s and '80s people skated, you didn't necessarily have to be a skater to skate, you know what I mean? It was more like biking, you know, it was like, it wasn't, you know, when I skated in the 70s, it wasn't cool, there wasn't a cool fact, it was fun, it was a toy, Right. but it was, I mean, we were on little plastic skateboards, so we didn't, there was not a concept, when you're six, seven years old, you're just having fun.
1: Right, there was no, there wasn't a culture that was forming.
0: me. but in the 80s, became very very cool 80s and 90s it became this thing Uh, edgy you know whatever whatever and so when i came back in and got back into it i still have the same mentality like i'm not like i I think that's why we do very well here with a lot of beginners because you know skate shops are notoriously unwelcoming snobby yeah
1: it's a lot of snobbiness yes
0: and the, the the skaters running the skate shops you walk in as a beginner, and they look at you like, well, "Who the fuck are you? What the fuck are you doing here?" You know, like, right? You know, you know, giving you all kinds of shit, making it really uncomfortable. Like I walk into a skate shop, and I've been skating longer than most of these guys have been alive, and I feel
1: uncomfortable. Oh, the awkward moment when I walk in with a with a longboard. Oh man, like no, this dude, does he even lolly can he even do
0: this? Yeah, like, it's like a total diss. And that I think put a real stifling effect on. The market because if you weren't already a skater how are you going to get into it you know you go to a skate shop and then they treat you like an asshole so then you're like oh fuck skating right. not getting into it can you imagine if you went into a bike shop and they were like you know can you do a wheelie no then you're not a biker and it's like that's bullshit man i bike all over the place <clears> you know so we kind of take that mentality that skateboarding is for everyone and anyone um you know, right we've had little kids. We've had guys in their sixties who were beginners. A lot of little girls. Um, that's another thing I love. That there's no, you know, physical restrictions. You don't right. need to be a certain size. Right. You don't have to be big. Yeah. You don't have to be. You don't have to be super Everybody. strong.
1: You just and so you enjoy just gotta yourself. be nice about it yeah. and
0: and and answer questions because people even come in here and they're like, you know, I'm sorry. I don't know anything you know like ah get over it don't apologize what do you need to know like it's not it it shouldn't be um uh you shouldn't be dissed for not knowing anything about skating you should be kind of welcomed into it so i i think probably still to this day we get 60 70 of the people who walk through the door are first timers awesome never had a board and uh and most of the thing we do is just tell them about you know what kind of skating do you want to do? You answer their questions and figure it out. And and then you're getting somebody turned on to something that, you know, I know
1: personally and passionately, you know, that's
0: going to change their lives. All right.
1: I remember my first time walking inside your shop and you had the funky jazz music playing. And I'm, well, and I'm I remember like, too, we had a conversation words.
0: you were talking about wanting to open a shop. Yeah, and I, think I told you you're crazy. Yeah, you, you did. I remember all that. It
1: was like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you got to really, I mean, you know, look here, you got to be. Willing to be in a shop every day. Yeah. And not really ever, you know, you, there's no... I got the experience. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Oh, that's right. Burning Sprite. Yeah, know. I, mean, I was and there. those guys, it was... it's one of these businesses that you you run because you love it, but you're never going to get rich. No. You're never going to retire. You'll always be in some sort of debt, and you'll be paying off that debt, and hopefully you're happy doing it. But All it right. is... A, it's a it's a slog.
1: It's a it is it's
0: a tough tough thing. Yeah, that, it
1: I hear it all the time. We're like you're doing a podcast, you're like you're in Virgisca Hades, it's like it's a tough nut to crack. I'm like, look dude, I have this plan, I have this idea, I'm gonna focus on this idea and we're not gonna make it about competition anymore.
0: Well yeah, and that's the thing is yeah.
1: you, you if
0: you if you're passionate and you enjoy what you're doing, you just keep doing it. You know, yeah. I saw like my dad sent me something this morning about like uh Success, you know, like they did a study about successful people, and it wasn't about like intelligence or social skills or whatever. The one common thing was grit. That people stuck with it. Yes. It's like, if you want to be successful, you got to stick with it. I mean, I guess if your parents are rich and you got a ton of money, you could be Elon Musk. But everybody else, you got to work for it. And if you wanted
1: to. Live, you've got to, you know. Every day, you got to breathe life into it. Yeah, it's a little bit of sacrifice every day. Like every day, you may you may miss out on a little bit of money, but you have to go after it. Yeah, it, it's it's scary. It's also scary too because you don't know what's going to happen. Oh yeah, this year, I mean, we've been running it. Like I said, half half a
0: business. If it wasn't for Kristen's family, my family helping us with bills, <sighs> we would have been gone midway through COVID. You know, we, we, they shut us down for three months. Right. We were able to get, we got in on that second round of PPP loans, and we were able to hire uh, Janaya and Jessica, mm-hmm. and we used that money to bring on some, you know, help. But there were months where if we didn't have family helping us out with bills, we would have, you know, packed it in. Wow! This winter alone, we we got family helping us get through the winter because we just don't make, you just don't make enough, you know, start enough business. It's the economy that's kicking everybody's ass. I think New York. You know, I don't want to see New York as special because that's not a good way to be special. But we're special in the sense that these landlords, if you weren't under any kind of shelter with your rent,
1: they just said, oh, yeah. hey, what do you got? Um, I was watching a Vice News documentary. Somebody's rent went up 95%. Yeah. I was like... It's bonkers. Yeah. Excuse my, they, me. They,
0: you know, my rent went up 20%. And uh, and I'm just like, you know, I, you know, we basically went from five days a week to six days a week, because I need an extra day a week to try and make up the, the increase in the rent. Right,
1: you just got the vacation day. I remember uh, we yeah. talked uh, yeah, no, no, last <laughs> week. It was no, like, ah, yeah, I finally I got, got vacation day. I got one day a week now, <laughs> back
0: to one day a week, which is then you got to do all your errands on one day, but, right. you know, it's like, yeah, there was no other way. It was like, okay, well, you know, you need me to come up with an extra few hundred bucks a month. I got to, you know, work an extra day or get another job or whatever, and so... I think the city got crunched and if if you know, I think a lot of people had to bail. You know, okay, I can't afford it. So yeah. then they're gone, they're not buying skateboards and then the ones who are staying, between the gas and the groceries and the rent, they're not there's no money at the end of the month to go buy a toy. I mean literally it's, yeah, a, toy. it's a toy. You know, you use it for work but still a lot of people use it for pleasure and joy and that's right. like okay, I'll wait till next month or I'll wait till the spring right. or whatever. But The good news I've heard, I talked to all the camps and the, you know, they do the skate camps at the skate parks and all that, and they're all still selling out. So Mm. skateboarding continues to grow. Okay. Despite us struggling this year, more skaters are out there. So I feel like, okay... Maybe it's just people are skating on older parts, older boards, they're it's gonna a need lot new of parts.
1: Used, it's a lot of used boards being sold now from yeah. what I'm noticing. It's well, yeah, it's,
0: people don't have the cash. Yeah.
1: Like a lot of people are not buying new and, and a lot of beginners are understanding. Like the the words are starting to travel like a lot of beginners are understanding, like, let me start with this little piece of junk. Yeah. And, and work my way up. Cause all the cause it went from <clears throat> this unaccepting un- unaccepting culture to Come on, join us! Everybody, come in! Everybody, Everybody, come join us! It's a, it's a huge change, and then, yeah, it's not just uh, stuck to oh, you ride a popsicle, you're not cool anymore. It's like I, we skate everything. Everybody's skating yeah, everything. Yeah, I, I like
0: hearing that, and I like seeing kids. I mean, I get like teenage kids, and they go back and they look at
1: those shape
0: boards, and like you know, they kind of come over and they're like, what? Why? Why are these boards? You know, why are they shaped like that? Yeah, and it's like, um,
1: hang on here. Oh, All yeah, right, take your time. If you need me to pause that for us, no, no, we're
0: okay. Just, okay. Uh, just turn that off. Um, you know, and 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 it's like, well, there isn't really a reason. I tell them, look, when they first made skateboards, they were making them like surfboards, right? Because that was like what they were coming from. They were surfing on the land, so they were shaped kind of like these surfboards. So in that mentality, they were kind of trying to make them like shaped like surfboards, like directional, right. and point, and all that. And there's not really a function to it, but it's a style thing. And seeing teenage kids wanting to get into old 80s style skateboards right. that are not as practically functional for the tricks that they want to do. I think it's cool. It's like, yeah, man, you can just get a cool skateboard for style, and you know, and it makes cruising around around around
1: so much easier. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, yeah, like you said, more you know, people doing all types of skating, and also getting into the retro, you know, styles of boards, and yeah, yeah, I think you should have a couple different boards, just like if you have a. Carpenter, they don't just have a hammer; they got a hammer and a saw and a screwdriver. You need different tools for different
1: jobs. Right, right. If you want to cruise around, you don't want to ride a popsicle with hard wheels all the way. well, you're gonna
0: Pete here. He's a you know he rides goes between like an eight o and a seven seven five, and then he's got a free freestyle deck. And you know he depending on what he's gonna do that day, he picks a different board. Yeah,
1: and watching Pete skate is, (laughs) shit, (laughs) yeah, it's amazing. It's like watching Rodney. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's not that many guys who do freestyle. You no. know, it's
0: a lost, you know, it's not a lost art, but it's a fading art. Yeah. There's a group of like 200 guys out there who are still doing it, and they all go to that that one event. uh, they do like a world roundup freestyle. Right. And they all know each other. Like he knows Andy Anderson because they go to that same event. There's only like a hundred of them out. There.
1: All right. I mean, he inspires me to do freestyle. Oh, That's man. honest, because it's it's it looks more fun than. Like going to park and hitting a rail, yeah. like I'm I'm a little bit older now, so yeah. hitting rails is not ideal yeah. for me. But um, I think we got off a little bit off the topic. Oh yeah, um, moving off a tangent. Um, so you're now in here. It's like you built the shop in six days, mm-hmm. and like what I remember, what I know is style session. When oh, okay that thing so happened. Style sessions. All right. So this was back before the shop.
0: That guy I mentioned, Arnie Zimmerman, he was yeah. with Red Bull, and uh, Red Bull wanted to do an event called Urban Waves. That was it. I remember the name. And what they wanted to do, what they, they kind of hired me to scout hills because they knew I had hills. You know, okay. and, you know, with longboard maps, I was I knew all the good hills. And we went around and we you know did this whole thing. And then it turned out that they, they came up with a different program. They hired. Um, Steve Olson, like nineteen seventy seven. You know, yeah, I know who Steve Olson is. He got Jim Murphy from Wounded Knee and Andy Kessler at the time. Whoa! And these guys got hired on by Red Bull, and they came up with a whole different concept. And it was instead of a, uh, a downhill kind of a thing, they built—I don't know what you'd call them, but you know they were transitions. They were basically big berms, almost. What? And they built a launch ramp. Where? And it and to, they, 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 they took them months. And they took an eight couple 18 wheelers on flatbeds and they brought, dragged them out to Prospect Park. That, that little hill, kind of that little decline where you go down where the picnic area is, where you know, do the session. And they put up, basically it was, was it 10? Know, it was five. Five on each side, staggered, and a launch ramp. And what you would do is you would come down this like, it must have been about What well, year was this? Honest oh, Prospect Park, what year? This is probably 2003 maybe. Whoa. 2003, 2003, 2003. And you would come off like a 12 foot launch ramp to the street and then go up the bank, down the bank, back on the street, across to the next bank and it was time. And you had to get through this thing and Steve Olsen won it. No wonder. He built the thing. He got through <laughs> He it got to test it. In less than 20 seconds. You could, he had to fly. And he was pumping. I mean, he was like flying through these berms. And so that event happened. They tried to already wanted to hire me as a project manager for the event. And I made a mistake. I think in retrospect, I didn't take the job. I kept my day job. Okay. And because I wasn't sure about Red Bull. And I wasn't sure, like, is this going to be a career? I wasn't really sure. But I was involved and I kind of helped them and I met those guys and started hanging. And, and so then around that time, I said, well, you know, I want Red Bull to sponsor, you know, an event like for what we do. And the guys at Red Bull said, the only way Red Bull will sponsor an event is if you create something that no one has ever done before. It can't be done before. And this was around the time, I don't know if you remember, they were doing that thing where they had people building flying machines and launching them off of the pier you know like in st- these yes, guys and you've seen their nuts. commercials yes. these guys are zany yeah. they're kooks yeah. and so I was like alright let me think let me think you know I'm like smoking away thinking, thinking and I'm watching uh, around the time Dogtown and Z Boys was out and they were talking about style and surfing and the surf style and it occurred to me uh, that a surf event a surf format was all based on style and maneuvers, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you get guys and they surf this break and the best surfer wins. Mm-hmm. All the downhill events up until that point were time-based. They were races. Mm-hmm. Tunnel hill, you know, tunnel, you know, like signal hill. It was how fast could you get down? Guys wow. in leather suits pointing it, whatever, whatever. And I said, what if we did a surf format for skating and, you know, make it based on style? the best, coolest style It so was skater. almost like the
1: first slide jam.
0: It was the first slide jam. It, in fact, I believe it is. I don't think anybody, you know, now they call them slide jams. So what we came up with was this format. And, and so sliding wasn't really even that, I mean, like there was a lot of crashing. Like people weren't that great at sliding at All that right. point. But we went up to um, Snake Hill, Fort George Hill, up there at 200th and Dykeman, which is a massive hill. It's huge. And we basically just skated down it, and I think, I know we were giving away prizes, and I think I was giving away cash prizes, so I didn't want people to bitch, and that's what I told you, we had people, the guys, whoever was participating got to vote their favorite skater, and that skater won, and so that was it, and Red Bull sponsored it, and we started doing it, and we were doing it every year, and... We were having a great time with it. We had photographers, we had Red Bull photographers shooting these guys, and the prints were amazing. I mean, we're coming up with like great photos of like Whoa. you know, and and, and we that's were one doing of the photos that that's up at uh that's up at uh. This is a later one. This is Corey up at what did they call it? Oh, what's the one up by the graveyard up at 150? Oh, Watchtower. Watch not Watchtower. This is oh no, no Grave Tower. This was by the graveyard, so they didn't call it Watchtower. No, the Watchtower.
1: Um, Death Dark Tower. Tower. Death Dark Tower. Dark, Dark Tower. Tower.
0: Yeah. Dark Tower. It's
1: all chundered up. We're, yeah. I don't even skate it. No, it's yeah, so, so bad. Yeah.
0: But you know, we we were doing this thing where this photographers, and the first party we did was at Arnie. Arnie had a big gallery down on down in Tribeca, and we got uh, Dugal, which is like a big photo print shop. I don't know how we got them to sponsor 20 prints. We were doing a charity thing, I don't know. But we put up 20 prints and we sold the 20 prints and it paid for the whole event, all the expenses for the beer and whatever, whatever, the ice and so we continued to do the photo aspect of it and, and we even had, it was really cool because a few years we would have a skate contest and a photo contest. So Whoa. the skaters would come out and skate to win you know, style yeah. sessions. And then like 10 photographers would come out and photo the guys all day. And then we posted the photos up on Facebook. Everyone got to submit their five best photos. And then we had everybody vote. And whoever got the most um, votes won. I think we published their photo in Concrete Wave. I mean, we had like a photo contest going along with it. So this kind of was, like, evolving, and then 2005 came around, and we were, like, going to go for it. Uh, We decided that we were going to make the prize a trip to skate down Mount Fuji, in Japan. (laughs) Yes. And this was because longboard Maps was going. I had a guy, Adam Clark. He lived. He was an expat. He lived. He was an American guy, but he lived over in Tokyo, and he submitted Mount Fuji, a service run that was like a two-hour run from the top down um, and, and that's how I knew about it and I was talking to him on email and my buddy Robin who was my partner for longboard maps he was a skater and he said let's you know make the prize this year for style sessions instead of cash let's make it a trip to skate down Mount Fuji and
1: uh, I've and heard the story but I, we didn't know yeah. <laughs> we didn't know
0: how to do it we didn't know how to make it happen but we knew that if we announced it, that we were kind of like going to put our money where our mouth was and so we announced it and then we kind of had to figure out how to make it work. So how'd you make it work? We, it's mind blowing. One of my buddies was a pilot for American and he got us basically non-revenue D3 flights so that Robin and I could fly for at cost like cheap. Right. And that we paid for the ticket for uh, the guy who ended up winning was Manny Pandalina uh, an old skater friends with Andy Kessler. He won and we paid for his ticket because we, we wanted to make sure that the guy who won got there because we were standby. You know, we could get booted off the flight, but we needed him to get there. So we paid for his ticket. Right. And Adam Clark, the guy in Tokyo, he worked for a magazine. And they hooked us up with like a uh, a free place to stay up in the mountains. Whoa. We crashed in this mountain house up at Fuji for a few nights. We shot the, the run down Fuji. And then we did... Nine days in Tokyo, and the magazine had gotten us a condo, uh, it's like a three-bedroom condo in downtown Tokyo for like 200 bucks a night.
1: Whoa. And we had like
0: four of us, so we split it. So it was like 50 bucks a night. So we, we were able to kind of do it that way, and then we skated all over Tokyo, and we did that. And then, you know, we kept doing style sessions um, for a while. I think, you know, probably 2011, 2012 was the biggest year. Uh, and then, you know, man, the shop started coming, you know, and Chris and I would go out there and we'd show up at 7am and we were doing it- I remember. That long. We would show yeah. up at 7am with donuts and, you know, orange juice and we'd do the whole thing and, and it was kind of like waning off. I I don't know, I guess, I don't know when we stopped doing it, but we just kind of like, you know, does anybody even, you know, like people weren't coming in town for the Broadway bombs. There weren't a lot of pros. Other than the local pros, right, um, and so we just kind of—I don't, I don't even know what year. Probably the last year we did it. I
1: remember Maybe thirteen, fourteen. It was two thousand. We did one up at Central Park. I think fourteen.
0: Yeah, Steve Kong was helping us out. We did one in Central Park, like at the—is it the circuit maybe over there? That little. I think it was. We did. Yeah, yeah it was circuit. That one was year. the last yeah. one until you guys picked it back up. Yeah. You know, and it was fun, but it was just like you know. You know, it wasn't. It was. It was. It would cost us more than it. We weren't making any money, and we were kind of losing money off of the prizes. So it was kind yeah. of like, "Oh man, you know, like what are we doing here? This is crazy. It's costing us money. It's a lot of work." And it is, you know. Oh. And, and that's why I was happy when you guys said, "Hey, we want to do it." I was like, "Great," because you know, it, it was mostly just to you know have a session. I mean, All back right. in the day when we were kind of coming up with the idea, we liked to have sessions because you know we didn't know that many longboarders. There was. You know, a few of us. And you would see everybody at the Central Park race once a year. Right. But that was about it. And the Broadway bomb wasn't going at that point, so you'd see these guys, and then you'd never see them again. So we started doing these sessions, and, you know, four or five guys would show up, and it was cool. You know, you'd skate for an hour, have some beers, and socialize. It was very social. Right. Um, but, you know, as far as the event, uh... It's better that it's kind of like people just taking it on because it's it was always meant to be just
1: a kind of a thing a
0: fun thing for the community.
1: Yes, I yeah. I agree. Um, the funny part about that, your legacy. So you're supposed to choose your favorite skater. I, did, I tried to do that. Oh jeez. So it's hard <laughs> to organize. No. Everybody started giving everybody tens. Okay. Like ten, ten, ten. I was like, how do I choose a winner? Oh yeah. <laughs> no. So the way we had to do it was you had to you would vote. You got to vote for three.
0: Skaters. Right. And you could vote for yourself three times. And then so we would tally the votes. Yeah. So then you basically, you would sometimes have like a tie for first or tie for second. We'd split the cash. But uh, yeah, it was, Kristen was there. So Kristen was, you know, she was able to organize all that shit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's not, it was it was kind of like herding cats. Really difficult. <laughs> exactly.
1: Extremely difficult. was yeah. like, hold on. Well, you guys supposed to vote for your favorite they're all my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, fuck. yeah, yeah. Well, rating—if <laughs> everybody gives
0: everybody a ten, then yeah, yeah, then you, you got to tie for first. Yeah, but yeah, if you let them pick a name,
1: and and that that seemed to work out. Um, I did it based off of who had the most out. I had to judge on, and I was like, yeah, "Who had the most out for this?" Like, and right. that's
0: and that's what it really was about. It was you know we were I think we were watching that Dogtown uh, and Z Boys documentary like on repeat. And those guys, all they talked about was style. Yeah. They were like, you know, if you didn't surf with good style or skate with good style, then you were, get out of, yeah, it, get out of here. It was yeah. all about, you know, how you looked yeah. and how it looked. And it was like, you know, more of an art form. And, you know, and I really liked, it. I was like, okay, let's do that. And, and it worked out well. And then slide jams became really, I mean, shit, they're all over the place now. But that format of a style-based, you know section of hill for skating that that didn't exist and, and as far as i knew and and the only reason i came up with this is because the red bull guy said do it you know come up with nice. something. nobody's done nice
1: we're gonna pause it real quick take yeah. a little quick break for and sure. then we're gonna come up with the wrap-up question out of time no no, no. Oh, all right all right we're back yeah because sometimes <laughs> it likes to mess with my my mind and um play tricks on me okay. so we're here with the wrap-up questions mm-hmm. thank you jeff for the interview yeah, um, thank you I know, dude. It's been, like, a long time making Yeah, I know. We've been trying to do this for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Life, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, With all the memories and experiences that you had, what has been some of the gnarliest experiences being a shop owner and being a skateboarder? Oh, okay. Two different
0: answers. Yeah, for a shop owner, probably the gnarliest. Well, you know... Just recently, we had some guy come in and attack Pete. I don't know if I told you this. Yeah, story. I've
1: seen the footage. You yeah, should know, you
0: show me. I think, uh, you know, lately, I think the city has been, you know, they've been having a lot of trouble with folks. Uh, I think they're putting people out on the street. I think they get them hospitalized, give them these heavy-duty medications, and then release them, and then they're going through withdrawal. I think there's a lot of people out there who are stressed. So, So in the last year, we've just had some, like, you know— just, you know, kind of crazy experiences. I've never thought we'd have to, like, wrestle anybody out of the shop, but Pete did. So that was probably the gnarliest. You know, I think of the other one during COVID. We had some guys who wouldn't <coughs> wouldn't, wear masks. And Kristen's immune <laughs> compromised. And we asked some guys, and we, you know, they refused. And then upon leaving, they uh, coughed on Kristen, which, you know, doesn't sound like much, but this was... In those first few months of COVID. So it was kind of like, that was pretty gnarly. Yeah, that's insulting. Uh, otherwise, the shop has been, you know, really, I mean, I love it here. It's like, if I could do this the rest of my life, I, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful every day and that I get to be here. So that's not so gnarly. Uh, probably setting up the shop. Like, that stressful time that I talked about earlier was pretty mm-hmm. gnarly. Where we weren't sure if we were going to, like, be homeless or have a place or whatever. Because we just didn't know um skating i think i probably told you the, the 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 gnarliest two wipeouts were the when i blew out the knee in, in 2003 when i c- crashed into that guy up on uh, snake hill and then the 11 year old when i did the toe behind the moped both you know going uh, you know a little bit out of my depth pretty gnarly <laughs> but you know now that i think about it the 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 third Scariest one, and actually, this is probably the scariest one because as an adult, I was aware I'd had, I had already had those other two wipeouts, so I knew the consequences. We were skating Fuji, mm. and I and I was a dumbass. I wanted again. I I had I figured that I could do it without pads, without a helmet, and without gloves. I didn't have anything. I was oh. in a hoodie and uh, oh. cargo shorts. Just going for it. And this is a mountain. I mean, it's a freaking mountain. Shit, Goggins will be proud. <sighs> you know? and so we had two video vans. You know, they were videoing the whole thing, and there was like five of us skating down. And because everybody else was, you know, going faster and doing slides and whatever, they were kind of way ahead of me. And so I was riding edge to edge, just carving, trying to keep my speed under 20 miles an hour the whole time. Right. And we did this first section. It must have been about half an hour, 45 minutes. And if you've ever been on a snowboard where you're like on a long run and you're in this position, in a kind of crouched position, I was, my legs were burning. Yeah. And because I was the last guy down, the two vans, I could see, you know, there was a stretch. I'm coming on, you know, it's like this winding road, and you're working, working, working. And I could see the two vans parked, and everybody's kind of chilling, you know, having a break, waiting on me. And uh, I, went, I saw him, and I did this. I just I needed a break, and I just stood up to just just to just relax my legs, and the board. I felt like I got shot out of a cannon because I was on such a steep incline, right? That I just I let up for that just split second, and boom! I was doing. I hadn't been. Over, I was over twenty, so I knew I couldn't jump off. You know, and I didn't have gloves. I didn't right. have anything. And there's a video, because they were running a video of it. And there, I can find the video. If you remind me, I'll find you a clip of this. Okay. You'll see me. I'm coming down. And I know I've got a slide, right? And right. I've slid before, but I just don't normally do it. And I decide to go for it. And you can see I go for it, and I hesitate. And what I end up doing, so it's, a, you know, double yellows. Basically, I'm flying, and I get down, and I go... And I don't go enough. I just basically do a, it's it's just like a zigzag. I mean, I just cut across really fast and now I'm accelerating even faster and I am about to pass these guys. And this is the first night we had landed in Japan. I put all this shit together (laughs) and I am thinking, you're going to the fucking hospital or you're dead and this trip is done, you're over. And so I had like a panic moment and all I knew what to do. I just I closed. I think I closed my. I'm. I know I closed my eyes because I just, I just grabbed the side of my board, and just pulled up and just pulled back, and and prayed. And I I went sideways, and my butt, boom, but hit the pavement. Yeah, and my, sh- my pants <laughs> <laughs> hit me in the face. I got boom, and I slid in. Like this, I was, I didn't have a scratch on me, but the nice. seat of my shorts was blown up. <laughs> my boxer shorts were showing, and I was like, that's it. I said, give me a camera, put me in the truck, and I, and I, and I that was it. But so that was the gnarliest thing. I mean, it still gives me goosebumps thinking about it because, I mean, I could have easily just gone boom right off. Yeah. You know, like, if you don't know what you're doing, and She's you're going Mount too Fuji. fast, yeah, you go right right off the guardrail. Yeah. And so uh, luckily, I slid into home and I saved my life. And so that one was the gnarliest thing skating. You know, now just going up to Pier sixty two is kind of gnarly, but you know, I, I don't, I don't do anything that's that is that life or death right. scary. That was I could have really killed myself. And and yeah. I think back and it's like, yeah, I, I I I shouldn't. I was I shouldn't have been doing it. I should. <laughs> I should have had pads on. I should have had a helmet on. Gloves I, I shouldn't have been doing it the way I was doing it, and I was doing it wrong and uh, yeah, so that was the gnarliest nice
1: right, guess very nice so with all the experiences you had and being an owner where and being with part of the community, where would you like to see the industry go in the next ten twenty years well, I'd like to see it keep
0: kind of, you know, doing what we were talking about, this skate everything, this kind of, you know, kind of blending of, of all the different styles, you know. I'd like to see that. You know, Skate One is a big company and they've been around forever and they have a downhill board and they have downhill wheels and they've got Powell Peralta. So they've got, you know, there's companies out there that are doing everything. I'd like to see, you know, more companies. I don't think you'll see that coming. I don't see core street companies getting into cruisers no. maybe into cruisers and lawn boards, but you know I see some of these like anti-hero I see they came out with a freestyle board you know a little flat freestyle so it's mm-hmm. like okay that's something you know it's like I I, I don't like the, the fact that everything you know people see that skateboarding and nothing else counts and it's like well they're all skateboards so I'd like to see the industry get into this more of the, you know skate everything mentality because you know like other companies trying different things that's where you get innovation uh you know like earthwing is a company that i miss because brian used to experiment with you know he was one of the first guys using um fiberglass and layers and sandwiching boards and so it's like i think if you experiment with other types of technologies and other types of skating i'd like to see the industry kind of keep keep kind of blending become more of this kind of melting pot of different styles okay you know more like you know kind of uh, representative of all different so that a, a longboarder can feel comfortable calling themselves a skater and a you know person who rides a cruiser board you know can call themselves a skater right because you know, it's like well I you know I was people say oh I'm not a skater you know because I don't ollie. And it's like, well, I don't ollie, but I s- I'm still skating. So I don't know what you want to call me, but I'm right. running around on a skateboard. So what do you want to do? Um, so, yeah, I'd like to see that blend in the industry. Right,
1: right. I More hear you, doing it. I'm like, sorry, Gus. <laughs> they're taking out the trash. Uh, as uh, it is.
0: We, we live underneath the trash.
1: Okay. There's noise. So the last part and the <laughs> final, our final part.
0: Shh. Hey, Gus. We're making a <laughs> podcast buddy Shh. okay
1: so last part Um, what would it, what would be some advice that you would give to the future generation and the current generation that's out there now
0: oh about skate regarding skateboarding or just in general guess, in general well I guess I would tell people to stick with whatever it is because I think a lot of younger folks think that you're supposed to like get famous or you know, get you got to blow up. You know, you gotta, you know, and it's like, you know, I think if you if you're into something and you're passionate about it, do it for the passion, and then the other things will come if you stick with it. If if it's meant for you, but uh, you know, this whole blow up, get rich quick, whatever, easy. There's no easy way. Um, you've just got to find something that you like. Be lucky enough to find something that you like and love, yes. and stick with it. And if you can find a way, then to make a living off of it, then do so. But you know, like even me, I was doing longboard maps for—I mean, shit—that was that had to be years. I was just spending money paying these kids each week, and then eventually these Russian hackers—they no. took it. They took down the site. Not put up a you know—they they took down the site and they sent me a thing that your security was no good. We hacked your site. If you wanna. Fix it. you got to work with us. That's, that's a fucking extortion. I, I didn't do it. But it, my point is, I was losing money for years. Right. Style sessions, we were losing money. And the shop, I mean, should we still lose money here at the shop, but I guess my point is, like, you know, I can pay bills from skateboarding, but it wasn't, it was after, you know, five or ten years of, 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 of not making money, but losing money on skateboarding because I was pursuing a passion. And, and not, you know, not expecting. I wasn't expecting skateboarding to make money for me. You got to put, you got to put the the time in before you can get something out of it. It's like you right. don't have a baby and let's put that baby to work. You raise that child for eighteen years and then right. they go work. So it's like, you know, you you know anything you've got, you got to treat it like a baby. You got to carry that thing and take care of it and feed it and teach it and do all mm-hmm. these things. That's like a passion, like a business. So. You know, I'm here now. We've been doing this shit since 2006, and and we're still struggling. And we'll struggle every year that we do it. But I love it, so I'm okay with it. You know, like you know, like that's a, that's a bargain. I'm okay with. But uh, if if somebody said, well, if if skateboarding, if you're not making a profit, then you should quit. Well, I would have quit 20 years ago. You know, right. but I, I'm still you know doing it because I love it. And, and for me, I get a ton of pleasure. I get to see some 10-year-old kid buy their first skateboard, pick it out, pick out the wheels, whenever, and they're going through that stoke, and I get to be a part of that and enable that and kind of like, yeah, so that's, for me, that's what it is. I would say to younger kids or new generation or anything, stick with it, man. You know, don't expect the thing you love to be providing for you right away. You know, you gotta, you know, plant your garden and water your garden, and then things grow. All right on, yeah. All right on. Thank you again, Jeff. Dude, thank you. Yeah, it's 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 good for me to talk about. I never talk about like the shop, so it's good for me to remind myself how much I love
1: it. Yeah, it's. I mean, from my perspective, being here from the first time to being here now, same. Um, I wouldn't change anything. Like, I wish it, we had more inventory, but other than yeah. that, yeah. No, this changed my life. Like well, being yeah. here coming in here that day changed my entire life. I hope I, so. You know what the the one of the most fondest memories coming in the shop the was the day got. me and Dave came in here drunk this <laughs> weekday? Yeah. Okay. And we spent like four hundred dollars apiece mm-hmm. and <laughs> walked out of here and a couple of days later Razor calls us on the phone, like Wait, well, I heard you guys drunk and Uncle Funkies. What the fuck was I don't even know. I can't even remember. Well, yeah, were you drunk or drinking?
0: He was drunk drinking. Well, yeah, if you were drinking, usually we try to, you know, but even like Noel, I mean, those guys, we would have parties, and those guys would show up with, you know, the St. Louis guys would show up with moonshine. and So, you know, we'd be having a party at 8, and these guys would come by at 2 p.m. from Hogs and Heifers, drunk off of moonshine. And we'd have like a family in here, and you got like ten drunken guys. Who, <laughs> so we always tried to downplay the drinking in here, but you know, you know. That was it the early years. That yeah. was the early, early years. Oh,
1: yeah. Um, That's good. We, I don't That's think good. we wasn't too drunk. I remember we wasn't too oh, drunk. No, we sure. just like I don't remember it, so it couldn't have been that bad. I bought the moonshine board because oh, okay, I remember no, that board. It was like the first. It was. Those are great. They were boards. just out. They were oh, yeah. just coming out, and are I was like, still "What is this? Yeah, oh yeah, they're owned by somebody else." I was like, "What is this? Mm-hmm. Oh my God!" Stepped on. Right. I was like, "Oh my God! I'm coming back to get this." Yep. Came back, got it, and rest is history. I'm glad to hear yeah. it. Thank you. Yeah, man. No, thank you for the experience, and yeah, no, thank you, thank
0: you for keep you know keep coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Pleasure. Cool, man. All right, all right, guys. All right, Gus. Are right. we done? I'm yeah. sorry, Gus. No, look at that tail. Ready? Want to go home? You ready? Okay. Oh. You gotta go party? Oh. Alright.